0: broadcasting live from the Stewart Title Studio on Broadway in Tucson, Arizona. Welcome to Business Radio X, highlighting business leaders, entrepreneurs, and a whole lot more. Business Radio X, what is that? That's helping the community, that's getting involved with businesses, and we're downtown Tucson, Tucson, Arizona, that is, and we're coming to you live uh, from the Stuart Title Studio on Broadway. In Tucson. My name is Mark Bishop, but I'm fortunate today in Tucson Means Business to have three very successful business people in different ways, different uh, types of things, but related in some ways. We're going to be talking to Mr. Ron Petrie. He is a builder slash handyman slash you name it, I can do it type of guy. Then we're going to be talking with uh, uh, a CEO of a company that, uh, within a period of years, has become the biggest operator of real estate agents and dollar turnover in Tucson, and I'm referring to Realty Executives, Tucson Elite. And then we're going to be speaking to a guy that's just gone out on his own, because one of the things we love doing with business radio is talking about entrepreneurs, guys that who bite the bullet and just get out there and do it and say, you know what, I'm not going to work for anybody else anymore. I want to do this for myself. So this particular person, Josh, Josh Gruber, is uh, doing just that, and he's doing very, very well in. Indeed. First of all, Ron, good afternoon to you. How are
1: you doing? Good afternoon.
0: How's <laughs> everyone hey, doing today? Nice to have you, mate. Nice Thank to you. have you. love that shirt. Very cool. <laughs> Thanks for having me, Mark. Yeah, there's a few businesses out there that promote their services, being handymen, builders, all sorts of specialists. And this particular fellow, uh, Ron Petrie, I tell you, if you were to get him, you'd be very lucky. What's, what is the reason, Ron, that you uh, are so honest?
1: Why? Well, I was taught by... Uh, Two very diligent uh, parents that uh, had great morals and brought me up right, and uh, um, it's just the way I do things, you know. Um, I always give people the benefit of the doubt and always, uh, you know, give them respect due. So you keep that, and you finally get good referrals from that.
0: Absolutely, that helps, doesn't it? It surely does. Let me ask Jeff Murtagh. Jeff is the CEO of Realty Executives. Jeff, a very successful company. What's your background? How did you start?
2: Oh, Marcus started in real estate in Tucson in 1976. So I've been doing this from the bottom up. Done all kinds of real estate. Worked in a real estate uh, land use firm uh, for 18 years, and um, sold about every kind of real estate that uh, they make.
0: Well, this is 76, what are we, 2018? That's a long time ago, right? Yeah. I'm, when did you start Realty Executives in Tucson?
2: Started about six years ago. Um, started with uh, about 40 agents and about $50 million in sales. And now? Today, uh, last year, we did over $900 million and about 4,550 units. And hopefully this year we'll break a billion dollars in 5,000 units.
0: So you're not going to be shy in coming forward and telling us how and why you did this, because uh, you will be able to help and motivate people who hear this show. Yes, sir. That would be fantastic. So that's Jeff Merton now. Young Josh, how you
3: doing? I'm good. How are you, Mark? How's your little bubba? How old now? Son is two and a half, and daughter's ten months. Two and a half and ten months. You decided
0: that um, how I got to meet Josh, by the way, he is uh, uh, an expert on golf courses, and he, in fact, was um, the superintendent for the 49ers Golf Club here in Tucson. It's a famous little club. And he did a terrific job bringing the thing back from Death Valley, I tell you, to a nice little golf course that had been through a lot of troubles. But I I think it was three years. Were you there, Josh?
3: Yeah, a little over three years. A little
0: over three years, and then you always wanted to go out on your own though didn't
3: you i always had that entrepreneur spirit you know uh you know people buy things if they make sense and i always was okay with being the person to deliver it if i if i had the opportunity right so you know it's it's really that simple you know i i can offer value through beautification and know how to do it well and and uh at, at pretty good speeds, you know, to, to make it worth our while. Right. Well, it's an art,
0: isn't it? Absolutely. I mean, it's an art in its own way. And uh, your new business now is called Poppy Yards, right? Poppy Yard Solutions. Poppy yep. Yard Solutions. Now, the name, I, I mean, come on, Poppy, you know, Poppy Yards. I mean, how did that come about?
3: Well, you know, my daughter's name is Poppy. So we we were, you know, thinking of what to name the business, and, you know, we're we're in our third month of operation now and we thought m- my wife thought yard solutions what a name right yeah but it can't just be blank and yard solutions sucks so we th- we threw it around <laughs> to a couple people and uh, we thought hey why not use poppy and have our slogan be we'll make your yard pop and you know, okay. you know there is just so many fun things to use the word "pop" when you know right. all of our trucks have the word "popping" with another phrase in front of it, right? Just to kind of get people's eyes catch, you know, catch their eyes, make them laugh, create a memory, right? That's right, and hopefully create a a, a, a business relationship or just relationship for life through that through those strategies. People often listen
0: to Business Radio X that are considering going into business, not sure which way to go, whether I should buy a franchise, whether I should do this, do that. You, 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 you're young, you know, I don't think you mind me saying that. No. You're, you're in, uh, what are you, you millennials, or are you? I think I'm like the older brother of millennials.
3: Okay. I'm 30. I don't, okay. I don't think I qualify. That's young. <laughs> that's,
0: that's very young. And you look younger than that anyway. You. Uh, Decided that, you know, look, once and for all, I can make this work. I believe in what I've got, right? Because you do something special. Would you want to explain that to us?
3: Well, you know, we offer a variety of landscaping services. Our main niche would be the, the weed control industry. And, you know, I'm licensed in, in it with the uh, Department of Agriculture and have, you know, years of experience through, you know, taking care of turf grass, real grass on golf courses. And through my relationships with vendors and the acquiring of the correct machines to make large-scale work possible, we're able to to really provide a good product with great margins for us. Mm-hmm. And by seeing the, the margins that we can make if the proper customers are in our database, right. that's what gave me the... The go for it. But,
0: but, you know, I don't understand. I mean, every Tom Dick and Harry out there seems to be pumping away when I drive home, weeding, you know, killing, killing weeds. What's so different? Why, why are you so successful in what you do?
3: You know, I, I think we're, we're, we're really not letting any out, uh, any way of marketing out of our grasp. You know, we're on home advisor. We have Instagram, Facebook, you know, we are in a referral marketing group, uh, you know, I'm, I call countless realtors on signs daily. I'm reaching out to people. By knocking on their door. So you're doing your own marketing that way. I'm simply creating a brand, which is myself, Mm -hmm. and I feel that people buy from people they know, like, and trust.
0: Okay, that is very important. But there's a little bit more to this, too. And we're going to talk about the product itself and what you've got to do to be licensed on this thing because not everybody's allowed to touch it. Number one, the government isn't too keen on that. Right? That makes a difference. Jeff, coming back to you with Realty Executives, did you think you'd be as big as you would be?
2: Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Talk about a confident man. <laughs> No, I had no idea, actually. Well, uh, what was your goal when you first started? Well, when I first started, I actually, they got me out of retirement, um, and I had retired for a year, and retirement was boring, to be honest with you. I can relate to that. Yeah, mm-hmm. so uh, I was asked to run the company, and I decided I wanted to run it different than all other companies. And most companies forgot who their customer was, which was the real estate agent. Mm-hmm. And and I worked on uh, I worked as an agent, uh, residential and commercial for thirty eight years here, and uh, wanted to do this different. I had a different idea how to do it. And I've always done things different, and uh, I started it and started to grow, and uh, mm-hmm. and continues to do so. And we continue to use the same philosophy that we uh, started with, and it's been uh, it's been a fun ride.
0: You're in beautiful New Premises, uh, which we'll touch on a bit later with the number of agents that you do have. You ended up running three other real estate companies before Realty Executives, right? For other people, yes. Yeah, for, other, for other people, exactly. Right. And you, I guess that was your training ground,
2: right? It was training ground. Uh, I never agreed with a lot of the decisions that were made, and um, um, it was... Uh, Because uh, I always wanted to ask one question, and that was what was best for the agent, and most companies ask what's best for the company, and they forget who your customer really was, and I just had this different idea how to do it, Mm -hmm. and uh, it it blossomed and uh, Mm -hmm. exploded, and we continue to grow every day. We're almost up to 400 agents and uh, doing a billion dollars in sales, we're, we're pretty happy with that number. <laughs> I, I would
0: think so. Um, but back when it was tough, you sold defaulted commercial notes for banks right during the Great Recession. Uh, but you worked with uh, the
2: famous land use attorney, Bob Stubbs. Did he teach you much? Bob, I spent many, many years with Bob Stubbs. Uh, Stubbs and Truebark was the name of the firm. They're land use attorneys. And that was a great Uh, I call it my master degree in in real estate. It was a great uh, training ground. Watching all the uh, new subdivisions opening up like Rita Ranch and Continental Ranch and Mm. being being involved with that, being involved with condemnation trials. And uh, it was uh, you get to learn not only what's legal, but also how the legal system works, which is really helpful because we're in a very, especially in my business, a very litigious society.
0: Well, uh, yeah, you know. I mean, uh, Ron, you'd know this. I mean, you're a locally owned and operated company. you got 20 years yourself in Tucson building uh, your little industry experience. Um, why would I use your company? Other than the fact I know that you're honest and, and, and you know, but, but you're small. You're, you know, you're a small businessman. What motivates you?
1: Well, my motivation comes from my client's um, happiness, knowing that... Uh, their expectations have been exceeded, and they've got this done for a very reasonable price, usually a lot less than they had expected. Um, never been greedy. Always go out of my way to make sure my client's right, and uh, whether they are or not. Um, I've been learning a lot in the last few years, and uh, it's been a lot of fun. I really, I really enjoy the finished product.
0: Well, you value honesty and integrity Absolutely. In, all, in all aspects of your business. You offer a variety of home improvement services. Um, not everybody can do that. They are customizable. In fact, you have a saying
1: uh, "The no job is too big and no job is too small. And that's very true. I mean, um, that's one nice thing about our crew is we're very well-rounded. Um, all my guys have a, a specialty, and usually by six months into my company, um, they're, they're pretty knowledgeable in, in a, lot of, a lot of the trades, a lot of the skills we do. Right. And uh, um, I'm very fortunate to have some really good people. Some really good crew. They're not just—they're not, just, uh, not just employees. They're family. And uh, you know, my my foreman Joe DiCarlo, uh, hes hes a great guy. Um, known him for three or four years now, and it's turned out to be a really special relationship. Uh, mm-hmm. The guy knows what he's doing, and uh, he's, he knows how to handle people. and He does a really fine job. He has the same uh, uh, ethics as, as I do, and that's—and that's what I enjoy about my employees. We, I don't have to. I don't have to babysit them. Um, I know that my back's covered and the bottom line being the client's taken care of. Them. Well, it's an important thing when you're building a company, isn't it? Right, The yeah, people absolutely. listening.
0: Now, this is Tucson means business because uh, these guys mean business, I can tell you. Now, Ron, the one thing i got to give you big credit for here that often a lot of people don't give a darn about and couldn't, uh, you know. But you take people, quite frankly, they might be great trades guys. They might be great sparky or a chippy or doesn't matter, but let's just say their life went off the track a little bit through private hardships or a divorce or wrong decisions in business and lost, lost their businesses or whatever. Then they may have gone down the road against, uh, you know, that we should do in life. You pick them up again and bring them back and bring them into the fold
1: and give them a hope. You give them a reason to live. Well, in mentioning that, I do deal with a lot of people in recovery um i've been in recovery now for about 26 years um you know i do a lot with uh the people with addiction stuff like that mm-hmm. and uh you know i i get a lot out of it it's, it's the way i give back you know it, because i i've been there i've been down that road a long time ago and uh, mm-hmm. it's a tough road yeah it was uh, it was not a good place to be and uh so you've been to hell and bag huh? and and then some so, and then some yeah. And, you know I, I work with a lot of people in recovery in, in a whole different facet of what i do and mm-hmm. uh, um, both the guys my two main guys are are I've known through recovery right. and, and it's it's turned out real well um, and that's good because these people have a real talent and a skill didn't they they learned their trade
0: they're very good at what they can do but you know you know not many people will give them a start not many people will give them a chance you know well that?
1: you know it, I was given a chance, so you got to pass that on. My word.
0: That's an important thing. You know, when you look at Jeff, uh, and you guys, you're welcome to talk amongst each other, too. You know, I, I, I can have a rest occasionally, so if you've got any questions, by all means. Um, you're the designated broker of Tucson Realty Executives, Tucson Elite. How many agents did you say you had?
2: We were just shy of 400 today.
0: And you had to move, didn't you, from, the, from your big building you already had? <laughs>
2: yeah, we have a new building at 64. 444 East Tango Verde. It's approximately 18,000 square feet, and we are 100% full.
0: Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. So, uh, lovely. I have been there. It is a beautiful building, and you can see this lovely sign as you come down Tango Verde, one of our major outlets in Tucson, because if you're listening in Pensacola right now, you think, well, where the hell is that? But the, the, the deal is, it's a beautiful building. And I was, uh, you know, so proud for Jeff's sake. It was a big thing to go to something like that. When you consider that, uh, you 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 know, the one he had was big enough, I thought, but there you go. So we went on from there and he started his real estate career back in 77 and here we are now in 2018. But we're not just talking agents now, are we? You've expanded.
2: Uh, We have construction, we have uh, insurance, we have our title company, we have mortgage, we have all of it.
0: And um, uh, building, building new homes. Now, you know, six months ago, mate, or a year ago, we sat down at lunch. Nobody was doing anything on building homes, were they?
2: It was, uh, yeah, I'm in a joint venture with Fairfield Homes. Um, They've built about 30,000 homes in southern Arizona over the last 25 years. And you could not find a bank to loan money to build a spec house. Uh, in fact, it's still extremely difficult to do that. So I raised money through joint through uh, uh, LLCs and raised investor money, and we started building houses. And the bank started to take notice, and then they gave us a nice loan. Um, and then now they subsequently increased that loan. So right. we've got about uh, 28 homes under construction, all between 900 and 3.1 million. Well, let's
0: talk about Tucson.
2: Um, The turnaround is happening big time.
0: Uh, I had some guys on earlier this morning on a show on one of the other Tucson Means businesses. We're talking 50,000 extra jobs here uh, predicted over the next 10 years.
2: You know, I've been doing this in Tucson a long time, and uh, I was starting my real estate career before IBM announced and it was a small town then. And uh, to me, this is the most exciting time I've ever had in my 42-year career. In
0: wow, that's exciting.
2: Yeah, no, it's uh, so many good things going on. Look at the revitalization of downtown. Mm-hmm. Everybody uh, talks about that, don't they? Yeah, well.
0: Is that a big thing to you? Uh, Yeah, because... I mean, Tucson's pretty big. I'm trying to give a picture here to our listeners from other places. Tucson is a spread out place. Spread out place. Okay. Uh, Why the attraction to a downtown? Is that
2: always needed in a city, do you think? Well, think about it. People coming from out of town, they always want, what do you do when you go to a new town? You go to the downtown, you go look at it. And before you went downtown, it was not a place you ever wanted to go. In fact, you drove downtown, you reached around and locked your doors. Unless right. you used the bus, Jeff. Pardon me? Unless you used the bus. Unless you used the bus. <laughs> yeah. And uh, Was that bad, huh? It was bad. And I, I actually worked downtown in the 80s. I had a, I had a real estate company in La Placida. And it was not a comfortable place. It was fine during the day, but as soon as that sun went down, it was uh, it was not a comfortable.
0: Place. It got a bit hairy. Uh, you wouldn't want
2: that. But that's different today. There's so much action down there, and it's also it's a hub of employment. Um, right. You know, look at caterpillars building their new thing down there, and people go to lunch, they go to dinner, they go to shows. They never did that in the seventies,
0: right? Right. And there's more. What apartments being built too down there now, there right? Are. Which creates that local environment. Right. Walk out to a show, walk out to a same in my hometown, Melbourne, Australia. Uh, when that started, boom, did that kick off everything? You know, with apartments downtown. What about the tram business and all that? That helps, do you think? Absolutely.
2: I think everything that they're doing adds little pieces to the downtown, the great restaurants that are opening up, the great stores, the great build and, and great architecture. I just saw what they're going to do with the uh, new one, was it South Church, they're building a new building around that, it's going to be absolutely spectacular, I had a presentation on that two weeks ago, mm. and um, it's, uh, it's an exciting time for Tucson.
0: Well, that sounds pretty good, so Josh, you'd be pretty excited,
3: <laughs> more business, more growth, you know you talk about social media, right One of the biggest things I've noticed with like these new neighborhoods in, in in red rock and and you know everywhere is that they all bring in new people from new cities and they're all looking for some sort of uh, you know team and so they go to their Facebook community page, and so I've really done my best to to find a few people that I can give a good deal to and in, in exchange they make a post promoting our business on the page where people are comfortable utilizing these referrals.
0: Right. Who'd ever thought of that? I mean, what what did you used to do years ago for instance?
3: Right, I don't know. I I mean, you, know, you, know, you know, doors and you you get mad at your friends for not telling everybody. Right now, <laughs> that's really not an option. You know, you you can't rely on your friends, but your friends know people and that's where the duplication happens. In- when you've got to do a good job too and I think you're finding out with the,
0: you know, the results you're getting for people that's the first thing. Yep. Number one, you've got to get a top job. Now number two is yes, I'd like you to tell people about it because it stands on its own merit, doesn't it? If you did a rotten job I don't care how good your Facebooking is, I don't think, you're not going to last. Right. Right? So it's good to see that you care about it too because uh, I know that when you first started, you've got some principles. You, in fact, have a big goal, and that is to go national one day.
3: Well, you know, there's a – we went on a few trips this year, and every place we went, you know, I thought if I moved here – I would just take a loan out, buy a truck, a couple mowers, weed eaters, and just go to town because the grass doesn't stop growing. It's different here, you know. So it would be a whole different type of business model, but right. you know. I but there's still weeds everywhere. There's though. still weeds everywhere, and there's still yards everywhere, and we want those yards to pop, right? So if somebody is looking for a business to take on with a good slogan and in a, a great start. Mm. I think this is a good brand for people to, to, to grow in a state like Florida or North Carolina, you know. And-
0: we are very different here in the desert. People got the wrong impression. I was speaking to some people on the phone the other day. Really, you know, we've got one of the most beautiful places in America, believe it or not, and we're desert. We've got uh, different climates. There's no doubt about it where, you know, we don't want people here, do we, to be growing lawns all the time. You
3: unless know?
0: Unless, uh, <laughs> unless they're okay with water bills, well, there you go, because they come out from places that they're used to that, right. Yeah. And how do you find that? How do you how do you talk to people when they say, "Look, I want this, I would love this design, I want the gold green there and everything. what do you what do you do? You know?
3: You know, like like uh, Ron said, you know, the customer's right even if they're not right, and sometimes just by simply explaining the the next three months of what actions need to be done, they sometimes get talked out of 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 putting grass down you know but we've had several customers that just don't care they want the grass they're okay with us coming by twice a week to mow it uh or more if the grass dictates that because when you got grass you don't you work on what the grass needs you know and unless you're unless you are okay with the rather uh you know less than good yard right but you want it to look sharp so that there's times when you need to mow it you know three times a month and as long as the customer is aware of it okay with it i'm on board but you
0: have explained that one day it's going to go brown
3: absolutely if they put the ryegrass down in the winter you know that's right and it competition and if you don't put the ryegrass down the grass will go dormant after a frost And after the winter goes away, you better poke holes in the grass or else you're going to see some turf decline, right? I mean— Yeah, it ain't going
0: to stay beautiful all year, You know, it's not going to
3: stay beautiful all year without the proper, uh, you know, cultural practices. And unless you know when and how to do them easily, Mm -hmm. it could be— a little bit intimidating and right it would be maybe could people could be taken advantage of because of this intimidating task that's at hand with what they want in their yard oh it scare the devil out of me i mean look you know i i've got too much to do to worry about all of
0: that and that's why it's nice to have a service that can do that for you What's do you get that much wrong do you do, do you do you get
1: a lot of people
0: wanting landscaping from you or you more on the building side
1: no we do quite a bit of landscaping but um at least to what josh was saying you know with uh being, being in the desert of course and the water tables going down, I try to tell people to stay away from grass because again it's you know, it's high dollar these days. Um I don't know about you guys, but um our water bills in this town are pretty high. Yeah. My dad yeah. my dad had just passed away, God rest his soul. He lived in southern Maryland, right? Right by the Chesapeake Bay. And every three months he had a three and a half acres and it was always super green. Yeah. Um, their water bills are like a hundred bucks every three months. Yeah. <laughs> so my point being is water is, I mean, without yeah. water, there's no life. And being in the desert, we've got to be very careful how we use our water. Yeah. And, uh, it's being more depleted all the time. And since CAP came in, um, yeah, it's been charged up, but it's still, you know, it's we're getting a lot of sinkholes, a lot of, a lot of deterioration in, in the water table. Man. Right. Right. Now what causes all of that? How does that, how does that come about? Well... I I don't know a hundred percent, but it's just like anything. If you keep taking from something, taking from something, it's going to end up with a big void, and something's going to fill it up. And uh, you know, usually when you when you when you remove it, something's got to go, and usually it sinks. And uh, when you deplete the water table like that, at a certain point, you're going to do some irreparable long term damage.
2: Wow! Absolutely, absolutely. I, I remember. Back in the early 70s, you got to like Agua Caliente. In that area, the water table is at 19 feet, and today it's at like 290. So the water table is dropping. There was just an article in the paper on this weekend on Lake Mead how as that continues to drop, we're going to have to water rationing in both Tucson and Phoenix. And uh, the CAP did help, and it recharged the system. I testified in probably 180 trials for the condemnation for the CAP, but that's uh that's not keeping up with the growth and Mm. we're the only city in the united states that all the water comes from groundwater it's from wells yeah and uh, they've bought all of the the in the early 80s we used to sell all these ranches around tucson Take the water rights off of them and resell the ranches. And the city of Tucson was the big buyer of all the ranches, and that was a great business back then. Yeah, um, right. But you know, that's uh, we continue to grow and we keep over a million people here and. Um, you know, it's well, this is the thing. What,
0: happen- what happens to a city like us in a case like that? Is it automatically you start putting hands up for desalinization? I mean, what, what else can you do? You can't let a million people or 1.5 million people go thirsty, can you?
2: No, and as they continue to grow here, to get a new subdivision, you have to supply what's called a 100-year water certificate. Right. And you're not going to be able to do that if you can't supply the water, so it will stop the growth here if we don't take care of it now. And who's addressing that issue right now? Um, The CAP, uh, the state, and our local water company.
0: Okay, so there's enough people uh, in the right positions to jump up and down here and make a noise. Yeah, you, you're continually keeping them alert of the whole issue. They'd have to have heads in the sand if they didn't know what was going
2: on. Well, California grabs an awful lot of our Colorado River water, and will continue to do so because of the huge populations in Southern California. Plus, they drought plus their drought and their fires they've um, had a pretty bad time haven't they plus our drought um, Well that's it
0: and which drought is more important
2: well, ours <laughs> <That's> <laughs> a I <good> mean answer.
0: <laughs> you know at the end of the day this the Colorado River seemed to be the big
2: focal point it was the major supplier wasn't it for Tucson area It was you know there was an interesting show on PBS about the uh, University of Arizona tree rings. And they go back looking a thousand years of some of these alligator juniper trees that are in the oh, White Mountains. Good okay. okay. show, I saw that. Yeah, it yeah. was an interesting show, and it really talked about it. And it went back, and and there were in, over the last thousand years there were like twelve droughts that lasted sixty years, and that's probably what pushed our Hohokam Indians out of right. the Southwest because there was no more water. And uh, you know, it's it's just something. I, it's good that they understand what the past said so yes. they can plan for the future.
0: I think people need educating um, on the past when it comes to that. I, for one, don't like to see water wastage. Um, you know, people leave taps on, shower too long. Um, you see rationing coming in eventually. In May. You know?
2: And they certainly had it in Southern California a couple of years ago, it was huge. What, what, uh,
0: did you ever see the business about the water police? I didn't. Well, somebody, come you know, watering their garden or the car, or washing the car, and someone would come
2: along and book you, give you oh, a ticket. Oh, yes, in California. In California, Cali- right? Yes, yes, I did. They got it. pretty serious, didn't they? Yeah, the fines were very high. Wow. You know,
0: I mean, uh, that's unusual, isn't it? I mean, I can fines for that as well but someone you know they've got to wake up they've got to just can't waste it just can't uh,
1: you know that's why recycled water is uh, i guess so uh, precious for the future we take for granted that uh, tap water it always can come out when we turn it you know Yep. it is a precious resource that we definitely have to protect because um without water there's no life well, I feel, well,
0: Josh, you know this, um, that particular, you know, golf is not a good business at the moment nationally, uh, unless Tiger can start winning again maybe and, you know, bring <laughs> back a few people. But at the end of the day, there's a few golf courses closing and uh, it costs money to, to run them. I think the one I'm a member of as an example, I feel sorry for the owner, uh, he pays, I think, something like 35000 a month uh, to get water and that's not even drinking water. Water. that's that's uh, recycled water yeah. uh, from the council because uh, I think the guy before him sold the wells back well, to the council
3: what, what Jeff was saying how they'd sell these ranches and take the water rights from the from the owner and then sell it back having water rights that's exactly what happened right. if in a country club is they, the gentleman you know from we won't name the company bought the course and several others mm-hmm took you know abandoned the lines that the 49er well supplied ho- houses with and threw their line in there and there they there they go they got control of all the water in that 49er neighborhood and you know the golf course which once was beautiful running on its kind of own system right now right. relied on somebody to give them water which relies a bill to be paid and when there's nobody coming out to play how is that possible you know and
0: that's it so what happens next you know, it's you, a scary. I mean, my home is on the course. I bought it for that reason. And uh, what happens to house values? You know, house it, values go down. That's right. And this is not the only place in America. And, you know, maybe back east it's a bit different. They've got, they've got a six-monthly cycle, you know, where uh, they don't play. It's covered in snow. Right. They've got, and they've got plenty of, uh, you know, storage scenarios. But uh, what's your opinion on that? What do you Where do you see things going with that?
3: You know, I I think 49er Country Club is, you know, in a good spot because there's homeowners. I think that if anybody's going to take a a hit, if 49ers is to continue to succeed, if golf courses with homes on them are to continue to succeed, the homeowners are going to unfortunately going to be the ones to take a hit because there has to be something to where if you live on the golf course, you need to input money into the club's success. And that's that's, you know, something that maybe wasn't, happening as as much or aggressively as it once had Mm -hmm. Uh, it's it's a very tough uh, activity to throw a bunch of money at and then be super patient on the the success of the changes you know grass you know doesn't grass doesn't fix itself overnight but with the right doing the right things you actually get it going that way and uh, you know people just it takes money to make beautiful things, and people take that for granted with golf courses, you know, and, and in right, grass. Right, know. well,
0: now we know why way back in the old days it was always a luxury sport for well-to-do business people and well-to-do people because of the costs of running it. But then it went down to everybody could play. It's a great sport, great game, yeah. but uh, there, a lot of courses are suffering. Um, financially, because things have changed, baby boomers have moved on, or they're having the younger ones having kids. Or they don't get as much time to play. If that's why, now even the PGA is changing rules. Right. To try and help uh, help the game itself to make it a little bit more expedient, um, so that people can get around a little faster and that because guys like you with babies to look after, the wives want you home as well. You, you know, <laughs> you're lucky to get a game in if you can.
3: You're only you lucky know? enough to get the six thirty tea time a few times a month <laughs> in the morning. You play golf, Jeff.
2: Sometimes I well, <laughs> <we> can find <laughs> the time.
3: That's the problem, ha- right? Well, that's I'm it. a hacker.
2: Yeah. Oh yeah, I'm a hacker.
0: Yeah. See, everybody's busy building their corporations Aren't they? You've got uh, houses you're building now, which is good, and, and they're already selling, Jeff. So um, it would be smart, wouldn't it, to be a home builder and have something like 400 agents on your books as well. Surely to God you're going to move them pretty quickly.
2: Yep. Uh, the two subdivisions I work in, I actually control the gate um, with my real estate office there in each of the subdivisions. One in Stone Canyon, I've got, I don't know, 20 six houses under construction 24 sold and we control the gate there with our with our sales office and then i have one on the northeast tucson on soldier trail mm-hmm. uh mr e. richard agent uh is the agent there with Realty the executives and when we just closed on two lots there's so our two spec houses there looks like we sold one already and started construction very good so the real estate market is definitely turned around Uh, Very, very strong. Uh, Not enough inventory. Prices are skyrocketing here, going up uh, 6%, 7% per month right now, which is good. We needed to do that. That's supply and demand, right? Yeah, supply and demand. Uh, Dear, dear, dear,
0: dear, because we always follow Phoenix. We're usually, what, five years behind Phoenix?
2: Uh, Phoenix recovered a lot faster than Tucson did. In the downturn of the market, Vegas, Phoenix, Tucson, and parts of Miami were the four worst markets in the country. We saw... Real estate prices uh, as low as uh, uh, maybe as much as 90% decline. Certainly things like shopping centers, you lost all of their tenants. Uh, you could buy shopping centers in under $20 a square foot then if anybody dared to do it. Mm-hmm. And um, a lot of people did. And now they're up to $200 a foot, so they're doing really, really well. So I, I what, You know these strip
0: malls, as they're called and what have you, Do you uh, some of them are in a lot of trouble. Do you ever see them converting to residential?
2: I haven't yet, but it's not a bad thought. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: it's got merit, okay. Yeah. So what what will be your sales volume then in 2018? Should do
2: should do a billion dollars and be close to it. and That's pretty cool. Yeah. That's pretty cool. And, Ron, what would you be doing? Uh, sweating and
1: working.
2: <laughs> Good on you, mate. Now, hurt. listen, if you
0: could wave the magic wand, what would you like to happen for your company?
1: I would like, um, honestly, to be out on that tea time at 6.30 more often. No, that. you don't. You're a
0: worker. <laughs> You're out there at 5 in the morning. Well, Come what
1: on. I actually mean is that's true. I would like to quit swinging the hammer and... Uh, spend more time running the business. and uh, Okay, it, well, I'm, what would
0: that entail for you to do that? What that would, would entail
1: like? me getting a, a few more good people. I like I right. like to have about four or five different crews. Um, so I just mediate the, the business, make sure everything's in place, go to job to job, make sure everything's done right, and mm-hmm, just keep mm-hmm. it flowing that way. So and, staying on top of it. So. That's basically what's happening as we speak. Okay, so that's good. That's starting to go. I, I, had a, I had a question for this gentleman right here, for for Jeff. Now, the market um, evened out, so they say, back in, you know, in, in, when did it bottom out, 05, 06, 07? When did it hit bottom? 08. The, 08, okay. So do you foresee um, that type of an adjustment happening again if, if prices exceed too fast, or do you ever see it adjusting itself like that again?
2: No, that was a mortgage crisis back then. Okay. Um, you couldn't get mortgages, and a lot of reasons why, and I don't, I believe the laws have changed now that that won't happen. Will we see another recession? Absolutely. Real estate has uh, been through profit and recession since the Great Depression in the 1920s, and it's up and down, up and down, up and down. Uh, historically, the longer the downturn and the harder the downturn, the longer the, and better the upturn. So I anticipate that we'll continue to have a good upturn unless something happens, somebody flies a plane into some building, Um but, look, interest rates are still low. I mean, I can remember in the 80s, everybody in Tucson would say, well, we'll never see single-digit interest rates again. I do remember that. <laughs> and, uh, obviously, we, we're a long way away from double-digit interest rates. Right. So, um, markets too good, too much going on in business. Um, will, it, will we have another recession? Sure. Um, but 10 years away, maybe? Right. You know, you're asking me to predict. It's a, way, it's a ways away. Um, I have read,
0: though, in a couple of national papers that uh, they're doing it again. Is there a worry? They haven't learned the lesson in some cases um, in reference to causing what caused
2: 2008? No, they've changed all those banking laws now. That that actually was done by Ronald Reagan. And so it took many, many years, and they were basically selling these notes um, – 10, 20 times over. So the value of the note would never pay off the, the indebtedness right. against it. So uh, I, th- I believe that's all fixed. Um, but we've had other recessions for different reasons. Right. You know, right. Back when I first started in real estate, our interest rates were 19, 20, 21%. Um, and so the market adjusted towards it. Right. And, and um, Reaganomics came in and then. He changed the law, and we had another recession. So this would be my sixth recession in my real estate career, and um, I, I like the good markets a lot better.
0: Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's like the old you know saying, I mean, I've been rich and I've been poor. Which one do you like best? But, you know,
2: but, you know even, <laughs> even in the downturn of the last market, those three years were the best in my career because I went out and sold defaulted first position notes on commercial real estate on right, a national right. basis, and that was phenomenal, but... Most people didn't understand how to do that, and it was a very closed society to do that. There were only about 10 of us in the country doing
0: well, it. Well, you, you, there you go. See? I mean, you've got to look for anybody listening. You've got to look for an angle or look for ways, a yeah. legal angle, legal well, ways. All the
2: residential agents would jump in and do short sales and, right. and foreclosures and reos right. So there's still some of that today, but not a lot.
0: Do you think a lot of Californians are still moving here? Uh, according to the news, they are.
2: Yeah, they are. In fact... Uh, a lot of the high-end houses that we're selling are a lot of them are from California, um, and they're cash buyers.
0: Because they can sell a bungalow for astronomical amounts of money.
2: Yeah, they can sell a twelve hundred square foot house for two point eight million dollars. this ridiculous. Oh, man! I mean, Josh, when you
0: hear that, it's sort of uh, totally. it's soul destroying, isn't it? Huh? I have my desert oasis, <laughs> <laughs> so they can come here, buy a house, buy a car, and uh, put a pool in enjoy life a little bit. It's not
2: just California, though. It's it's East Coast, New, New York, York, Boston, yeah. Miami, Chicago. All those places have much higher prices in real estate. Seattle's mm. very high. San Francisco, Los Angeles, San Diego, Dallas, uh, much, much higher real estate
0: prices. There are pockets, though, yeah. yeah. A lot of people do want to come here. Some of them can't handle the heat, so they leave in the summertime, but it's not too bad. Once you get to 110, there's no, no humidity. It's the same <laughs> as 100, isn't it, Josh? And I mean, it's just a sunburn. You know, that's it's all. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of people come here, but when I look at the Weather Channel, man, I don't know how people do it. I got to tell you, Ron. I mean, scraping that stuff off the windshield and then sh- <laughs> shoveling six feet before you even got into the darn car, you know?
2: And the bugs in the summertime. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. And if you play golf, they're biting at your rump, aren't they, on the golf courses, those alligator
3: things? Yeah. And when you're driving your car, they're all over your car. I mean, it's a lot of maintenance that people don't have here that exist elsewhere. Right, you know? right. Florida's got those love bugs. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. If you drive on high 10 down the daily... Or on the interstate daily basis... Right. You, your car is destroyed, you know? Love bugs, huh? You ever heard of them? The big things, right? No. They invented them to... I to
2: think
3: to that's eliminating another, mosquitoes. That's another
0: conversation. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> love bugs. Love bugs. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I had a love bug with a little Volkswagen there. <laughs> right. There you go. Um, uh, okay. When when you make a decision with R-E-T-E-REIT, right, is there uh, real estate uh, executives, at the Tucson Elite, Um is there one question you always ask yourself, Jeff, if you're making a, uh, a fairly substantial executive decision?
2: No matter what we do when we, we ask the question is what's best for our, our people, what's best for the agent, not what's best for the company, because we want to take care of our people, and in turn they always take care of us. And I think that's missed in the, in the marketplace today. And it's not about money. It's about culture within the company, keeping our people happy. Uh, I will get rid of somebody if they're what I call a culture buster. Um, And I think a lot of companies won't do that. I think it's critically important. I want people to come to the office because Mm -hmm. I know that more business will get done in the office. If you're working out of your house and it's 2 o'clock, you're in your pink slippers and you're doing laundry and you're watching a soap, you're not working like you would be working if you're in an office environment. Mm -hmm. And deals get done between agents all the time. I'm looking for this. I have that and in this environment right. with a tight market that's how that's how we can produce it that many, right. that many units
0: right now I was going to ask you there has been a new company you know but it's a little up, and they're claiming they're doing this doing that and I think they're trying to get from what I can ascertain talking to people they're trying to recruit agents from all over the place offering them a better deal a better life you know carrots at the end of the thing and all of that I think they're called uh, EXP Realty would that be right
2: yep No. Well.
0: The, the format from what I understand is based on networking or um, a share of the company type process. This has been done before uh, by realtors, um, by realty companies, I believe, back in the past days, days gone by, of a share of the company. This is a new f- format on it, a formula on it. And um, I, I just don't know. I uh, It sounds too good to be true in some ways. Have you heard much about it, Jeff?
2: Oh, yeah. I actually went through three full presentations on it. It's a multi-level marketing company. And if you're a very busy, realtor, you are so busy selling real estate, and you're working six days a week, 15 hours a day, and you you can't get to all the business that's sitting there in front of you. Mm -hmm. On a multi-level marketing company, you're making money on people that you recruit to the company. The problem is recruiting the company is very difficult. I recruit every single day, and you need to recruit a lot of people for that to be profitable for you. And I don't know any really professional agent that could afford to take 25% of their time away from selling real estate to turn around and recruit. Right. And they're not – they're really not um – our company has, is actually less expensive than their company, and we have bricks and mortar. It's a mm-hmm. it's an mm-hmm. internet based company.
0: Mm-hmm. So, well, my experience with multi level marketing would mean then that uh, uh, the bucks got to, the money stops somewhere. Is it maybe just people at the top who, who are going to make the money with that deal, or well, they're certainly making a lot of money. Okay. So I'll leave it at that. Okay. You know, Interesting. Talk- Interesting. Interesting. No, 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 no. We're not. We always open business. But uh, at the end of the day, I'd like to know what's going on, you know, and if you know of something like that, because I've got my own little spies. Uh, Josh, when you hit agents, as you say, to do, you don't care where they're from, do you? Not at all. All you care about is getting clients, right?
3: You know, I, I, this year, my main goal is to to focus on creating relationships, whether it's a a best friend or an acquaintance that looks to me for as a resource Mm -hmm. um so when i make a phone call you know i try to use their name when i talk to them and just simply say i'm trying to looking to introduce myself and company and see what your organization is doing and where i could possibly fit in to help you know and, and if we could you know set a time aside or Hey! It, sometimes, like this last week, I had I was two for two with phone calls. It turned into immediate work. Wow! You know, it was, it was great, right? My revenue for the week was at this. I made two phone calls. It bumped it up a couple hundred bucks, and that's all I can ask for. And
0: and there's you now, and you have a partner though, don't you? Uh, silent partner, silent investor. Partner. So okay, to say. investor. That's very good. But you, you're the hands-on man.
3: Yeah, my. Uh, you know, I, I do all the customer acquisition. Um, Billing and my wife takes care of a lot of our, uh, you know, our HR stuff. Uh, we mm-hmm. have a person that does payroll. You know, so we, I'm definitely not juggling too much, right. but I'm juggling the, the the two most important factors of growing which are more customers and putting money in the bank.
0: Well this is it trying to grow a business both you and Ron as an example you know you're starting and you've, you've got your projections and you've got your growth pattern that you'd like to be on but a lot of people going into business uh, you know you hit that wall and you haven't got enough time you haven't got enough arms you can't grow anymore because you can't do any more business there's not enough hours in a day uh, you're lucky that at least your wife's involved yep. and and, you know, otherwise you've got to pay somebody to do it, haven't you, one way or another? How do you grow? Right. Uh, you, know, we, you know,
3: we've been uh, lucky enough to, to meet a person in one of our referral um, marketing groups that it, it introduced us to a program that's um, run by Deseret. And it's a thrift store on Grant and First. And they have an employment opportunity program that they are able to provide you with an employee after we interview them. And they actually pay the payroll until we're ready and feel that that person's fit to bring them on to our payroll. Hmm. So we're using. Uh, Did you know that one wrong? Did no, you? No, that's cool. That's cool. It's isn't very it? cool. It's, it's not free labor, so to say, because somebody's paying these individuals, but they're limited to 28 hours a week. Mm-hmm. And uh, we've been lucky enough to bring uh, a young man on our crew last week. and right. And he's a very stand-up guy. And, you know, he showed up four five days in a row now. And, That's great. And, you know, we're looking to, mm-hmm. to keep him on board until it's until it, until we reach our goals. Right. You establish goals. And mm-hmm. once you establish them, if he's the person to bring on, we want to bring him on.
0: That's it, great. That's amazing, fantastic. It's an
3: amazing opportunity.
0: And uh, this business, I missed it up before I said we'd come back on it. Uh, you have to have a special license. Don't you to be able to operate what you're doing? Correct so, in this particular products that you
3: use. Absolutely. So we're we're you know regulated and monitored by the Arizona Department of Agriculture, and there is you need what's called a certified applicator to, to go out and do the spraying of, of a property. You also need, on top of him, somebody with what's called a qualified party license. And that is what the Department of Agriculture deems acceptable to run a business. And so I've acquired that because over ten years of experience, mm-hmm. I qualified to, to to put an application in. And mm-hmm. to do so, you need to have your certified applicator's license for two years. Right, and then you can apply. And uh, assuming you have good morals and and not a horrible record, um, they'll you know approve you for the application, and you can then test to to get these licenses, which are then. Uh, you know, renewed each year through continuing education units and right, you know stuff right. like that. Because I
0: believe I I think you know there's a lot more to it too regard to boys and regard to any John Dick and Harry using the stuff, you've got to be very careful. The government doesn't want everybody just, you know, handling the stuff, right? It's a
3: it's a tricky situation. You know, the thing is is you could you can buy Roundup and Home Depot, you can buy all this stuff at the at your local uh, you know, commercial industrial supply stores. Right. Right. But legally you, A homeowner cannot go out and spray pre-emergent on their lawn. You know, it's it's because they just don't want – they want to know – they want to keep some sort of record of what's going into the earth to protect the water table. I think Um, you've got to do that too, yeah. Yeah. You know, the water table, there's certain products that have been tested and proven to, uh, you know, inhibit that. And if you're spraying those, whether you're a golf course or a a landscaping company – it's up to us to do our due diligence to take the time to fill it out and to care about it enough to send it in
0: see that's excellent that's nice to hear that isn't it Jeff? a man a professional
3: yes sir
2: hey josh why don't you tell us what pre-emergence is because i find out in my real estate business a lot of homeowners
3: don't even know what it is right so pre-emergent is is literally only needs to be done twice a year uh if you get a lot of rain possibly more uh it's You can spray it with the post-emergent to to kind of knock two birds in one stone. It is a spray that you put on the ground, and then the rain waters it into the soil a couple inches and creates like a layer Mm -hmm. of uh, sterile, right? a sterile layer in the ground Mm -hmm. to where when the seeds are dropped from the trees, the birds are dropping their seeds from food, Mm -hmm. all these—the winds blowing grass everywhere— once it hits that sterile, you uh, you know, inch in the ground, it hits it and doesn't proceed with life. Um, that's it, huh? And that's that's pretty much it. So you just you know, our simple product is twice a year, you know, January, July. We come out, we spray your whole yard. Things that are living wither away, and that layer is now there for the following six months. Right. And then we follow up with them again, and do the same. Is it doing any damage to existing foliage? Um, because we tend to put the post-emergent in with the pre-emergent, yes, uh, we do offer the ability to spray just pre-emergent. And if that, in that case, you can spray on the plants, no damage whatsoever. Mm. It's a great way to kind of stunt growth. You know, a lot of desert plants, you can spray them on there. Right. It's not going right. to necessarily stop the choyas from falling or stop the flowering on the saguaros, but it could put them in a little halt. Right. And without affecting anything else other than that slight halt in daily life. <laughs> about that? question
1: on that i'm pre-emergent how does it affect um um plants like like um that we
3: consume fruits fruit plants um you know stuff that we eat so you know the obviously it is a chemical right so it's not necessarily going to be i'm not going to say it's great but we are using caution label products um and again i would if we had a customer that has for example this people have turtles you know, if they have a bunch of plants in the backyard, I am not gonna spray all their plants with this product and the turtle's gonna go eat it. Well. I'm, I'm gonna be mindful <laughs> right. and go around it and but what about dogs though? Dogs if you you know, usually if if you And bully dads and all that. You know, if once the product dries, my biggest fear for people is that their dog walks on it when it's wet and brings those blue paw prints into the house all over the nice uh, furniture. Okay. Um okay. all the products that we use you know, yes, can they be harmful to people and humans? If used wrong, yes. Mm. If used right, I've seen little to no incidents happen. Okay. Um,
0: but you make them aware anyway, right? They've got a little bubba crawling around the place. You've got to watch little things like that, right? Absolutely. You know, testing, we, you know. we,
3: we tell everybody to, you know, if you can, wait an hour until after we leave. With this heat outside, it's going to dry. In no uh, time. All, right. all the products, they, they only inhibit plants. It's a different type of amino acid chains that humans and plants have right. these products affect plants you know it's that's simple it. as that.
0: that's it okay well we've nearly closed out of this tucson means business it's been very interesting for me ron i'd like you to just share with some advice uh, for somebody listening who maybe uh, would like to do what you're doing well, and how did you know have what keeps you going
1: well my advice would be um stick to your morals be honest and um don't ever deviate off your integrity don't ever let anybody um, push you in a position that you feel compromised um, just stick to your guns and and I was raised by two engineers both my parents are engineers and they were very, very anal about getting things right. And, uh, <laughs> I bet you they
3: would
1: <laughs> Did they along. ever make a decision, then? <laughs> um, <laughs> they divorced early. But anyhow. All right. <laughs> 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 the point being is um, stick to your morals, <clears throat> do it with integrity and honesty and you, you can't do any wrong. Very good. Very good, mate. Ron Petrie from Ron Petrie and Associates and uh, where was
0: your site again, buddy? You tell me all your details, please. You, go, go to RonPenterprises.com. That's all you gotta do. There you go. Ron That's that one. All right, I'm gonna to go to the uh, the youngest. I'll well, leave the I'll leave the uh, leave the, uh a bit on side. Uh, Josh, your advice? Year thirty,
3: young bloke's twenty four, listening to you. You know what? I could do what he's doing. You know you gotta have a you have to have a, a reason. You know, what's your why? Right, you have, to, you have to wake up every day. You have to know that at the end of the day, it may not go as perfect as you thought, but that why better be greater than the problems that came about that day. And you better be willing to face those problems head on. That way you can get back to the why. Right, Always getting back to the why through all the hurdles in and around it is, is really my advice. And that's what keeps you going. Oh, yeah. Staying on point.
0: Yeah. And
2: Jeff, the master. <laughs> well that's debatable but um if you're going to go find a uh, want to do a listing or a sale uh, of a home find yourself an experienced uh, agent that you can talk to you can check on the arizona department of website to see if there's any violations against those people it's listed it's public and uh, just get an experienced uh, person who's uh, works in your area that's that. And the overall philosophy of life and to where
0: you've come from uh, seems like years ago. And look what you've built. Yep. Right. I mean, what's what's driven you?
2: What's driven me is to stay on point. Um, even when I sold real estate, you always had to keep the goal that your job was to trade deeds and get a commission off of it. And there's so many things, especially when you're doing – I've done a lot of really, really large – Transactions over fifty million dollar transactions, and there's so much that throws you off, off point, and uh, those deals are extremely hard to do, extremely rare to get done. But if you stay on point and don't let all of the uh, outside influences affect you, and you can get to the goal, and everybody wins, and you want to be, you know, the only thing we have in real estate to sell is really our integrity. There's nothing else. Our knowledge of real estate, but every mm-hmm. agent has knowledge of real estate. So. Integrity, uh, yeah. yeah. And, it, and it's, there's always a few bad apples in every industry, unfortunately.
0: Yes, there is. And, oh. uh, you know, real estate doesn't need that. Well, there you go. That's uh, wonderful words of wisdom from Jeff Muta, the CEO of the biggest company in uh, Tucson and growing even bigger Tucson uh, realty executives, Tucson Elite, and also, um, you know, multi-purpose company. We had uh, Ron Petrie from Ron Petrie & Associates and John Josh, I think I've got a dry Josh Gruber. I got that. That's enough. The Groobah. Uh, all right, Groobah uh, with uh, Poppy arts Poppy arts We're going to be hearing a little bit about that. Thank you, gentlemen. It's been absolutely marvelous for uh, our first day here with uh, Tucson uh, Business Radio and business Xcom So you can go to TucsonBusinessRadioX.com. Uh, in a couple of days, we'll have the podcast of all the shows. If you'd like to go back on something, it'd be terrific. And by all means, we've got Facebook being built now and uh, our extra social media, Thank to Robin Young and uh, you know uh, you'll be able to contact us and if we could be of any benefit to you by all means let us know I'd really appreciate that okay and we're here with the compliments broadcasting live uh, out of the Stewart Title Studio which is on Broadway right here in Tucson, Arizona Thank you Mark You're welcome <laughs>